0: The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions! It's not a dream! It's not a desert barrage! It's Lord Stanley and he is coming to Washington!
1: Welcome back to Jeepers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young, and uh, we have an emergency episode uh, that is not so emergency because there are two other Caps podcasts that beat us uh, to this (laughs) emergency theme. But I I am joined by Samantha Powell, which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, Samantha, it's been, uh, I think, a couple of months since we've uh, last chatted, but it's uh, good to have you back on.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been good to be back on. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course, of course, of course. So uh, we have um, I, I, obviously uh, the big news is that the Washington Capitals have hired Peter Laviolette. But I think before we go into that, I kind of want to talk about the they're playing the bubble, and really, they're really their play over the last like five or six months. I would say <laughs> has kind of just been pretty bland, and to me, it kind of led to this decision. So is that kind of where you're at, Samantha? That like this wasn't just the bubble but that this was like kind of the way they had been playing really before the pause that kind of led them in this direction
0: yeah i think when you kind of break it down and look at it i think that's the perfect way to describe it it's like towards you could even say really like the back half of the season you know since really christmas and that kind of break the capitals really weren't themselves right they were kind of i would say like treading water i think john carlson said they were just kind of you know, putting band-aids on their mistakes and just like praying and kind of hoping for the best there. (laughs) Um, They were just, you know, making a lot of comeback wins that were obviously very entertaining, very fun for fans to watch and see. But those Capitals should not have been in those comeback situations to begin with in a lot of those games, right? They should have just outright won a lot of them. They kind of let things slip. So just looking at it from that perspective, I think you could kind of tell just in that last part of the season that you know, this is a group that maybe isn't as motivated as they should be. Their play is falling off. They have so much talent. They're so loaded with all this offensive firepower. Power. They should be firing on all cylinders, and they really just look flat. And then You know, you have this pause, you have people saying that, okay, you know, maybe this could help an experienced veteran group like the Capitals because, you know, maybe it's an energy thing, right? Maybe they just kind of ran out of gas. Now they have all these months to kind of recharge, refresh. You know, you get guys back who maybe weren't 100 percent healthy during the season, a.k.a. Michael Kempney, you know, back into shape. And maybe you start thinking that, okay, the bubble situation could be perfect for a team like the Capitals then enter round robin um, <laughs> things did not go well in this round yep. robin for the capitals and then again you could kind of play it off as oh well it's round robin right they don't matter the games don't matter um, it's only for seeding and who really cares right they won you know the game against boston that mattered and you know that way they're not going to play a really really hot carolina team so then people start thinking okay maybe the capitals have shown up and then you enter the islanders And everyone saw kind of what happened there. So I I really do think that you can go all the way back to probably the back half of the season and just think, okay, we kind of saw the spiral coming. We saw the mistakes not getting cleaned up. And then where does, you know, but then it's where do you put blame, right? Is it players? Is it coaches? Is it a mix in between? Is it injuries? Is it, you know, what else is there? And I really think it's everything. I think the Capitals made the correct call and kind of, firing Todd Rudin as quickly as they did, even though maybe it could have come as a surprise to some, but I do think it was smart to kind of move on from that and say, okay, you want to get rid of this, um, I guess, kind of, you know, chapter of the Capitals as quickly as we can and move on to the next thing. And, you know, I think McClellan, he said, you know, he wanted to take his time. He wanted to really work through the process and see which coach worked best. And while, you know, September 15th, it is now might seem, I guess for me maybe a little bit early. I think it's right on time. Like I think the capital's really need this and now we have no clue when next season's going to start. Um but they can kind of start building uh from here on out.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I mean, Peter Laviolette, uh, I think it was Tariq El-Bashir on the podcast literally yesterday, was talking Mm -hmm. about how Laviolette seems to make a lot of sense in that. uh, McClellan obviously said that he wanted a veteran coach. He wanted maybe more of a disciplinarian kind of maybe, although I think you can kind of debate that either way. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, just kind of initial thoughts on the Laviolette hire.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really smart hire. I think it's a really good fit for the Capitals, you know, kind of. LaViolette's thing is kind of getting the early success out of teams really early in his tenure, and then you know, maybe falling off in those later years. But just looking at what the Capitals did, they signed him to a three year deal, the perfect championship window, right? It's what everyone's been talking about. <laughs> it's, these Capitals have to get things done in probably the next year or two, so you know, the contract term makes sense. Uh, you know, the amount of money that Pierre Lebrun kind of reported out, I think it's north of four million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, all that works, and so. I really do think for the Capitals that this will be kind of the perfect marriage, at least initially. Now, how are players going to really react to him in the room? What is he really like? Is he, you know, kind of that same mentality that he had early in his career? I think everyone remembers, obviously, the 24-7 video. That's probably sure. like the most, <laughs> <laughs> most famous. But <laughs> like, is that really him right now? I I actually don't think so. You know, I think he's really grown um when probably he is known as more of like a motivator for guys i think you know some people probably describe him as motivational speaker first and also a coach um so that's probably what the capitals are getting there but just overall looking at the guys in the room i think they're going to really respect him they're going to have to listen he's going to definitely make sure that they listen and i think it's going to translate to the ice
1: yeah and it's i mean it's interesting because i mean peter laviolette has been a head coach uh For, I think, since I was in middle school, (laughs) Uh, he has been, 2003 was his first year, and he uh, has, obviously, he's gotten fired a few times, but he has been a NHL head coach for a very long time, and so, I don't know, it's kind of interesting when the Caps said that they wanted a veteran head coach. They uh, really got (laughs) got a veteran (laughs) head coach, although he's only 55, which is kind of interesting. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think like the crazy part there, too, is this is the first time in franchise history that the Capitals have hired a coach who has won a Stanley Cup,
1: Yeah.
0: which, you know, makes sense. Like, if you really think about it, you know, Ovechkins had seven head coaches and all of them except for Barry Trotz have been rookies. But just to think that this is the first guy that's going to step into the room with already a ring on his finger, I think is pretty interesting and just says a lot about what the Capitals wanted.
1: Yeah. So I, I think a lot of this, let's talk about the the giant elephant in the room that uh, I get to ask this and then I never get to ask this question again. I'm really excited about that. But uh, <laughs> it seems like there was uh, a lot of talk about uh, two other candidates uh, that the Capitals were really actively considering. Uh, those, of course, being Gerard Gallant and Mike Babcock. And mm-hmm. so I, I, at least to you, how close do you think the caps were to signing either one of them, and uh what does it kind of mean that they went with Laviolette instead of those two?
0: Yeah, I think just overall, I think a lot of people really saw this as a two horse race between Laviolette and um Mike Babcock I think Gallant was kind of on the outside looking in just a little bit just because I think the Capitals really kind of honed in on the exact coaching fit the kind of attitude that they wanted and Babcock and LaViolette basically fit that to a T. I think Gallant is obviously a really great coach really experienced obviously what he did in Vegas um won't be forgotten but I really do think that's really not the direction the Caps were looking for in terms of Babcock I mean We could talk for probably a whole nother hour about (laughs) reasons why Capitals fans would not want Mike Babcock um, (laughs) as the head coach and probably another hour about why he is actually a really good coach with a really good record and just based on hockey alone. So I think there are so many factors into that, but it's our understanding that, you know, if Mike Babcock was hired by the Capitals, that management felt like they could justify it. They felt comfortable that he's kind of moved on from Toronto and, you know, all kind of the baggage that he would bring with him to Washington and you know, management really felt like they could hire him, justify it. All would be fine. But at the end of the day, they really felt like they preferred Laviolette and they preferred his coaching style and fit. So I think that's like a main key thing that, you know, maybe caps fans need to understand is that the Capitals did really feel comfortable with what Babcock would bring to Washington. And they felt like they could kind of put that all behind them and his kind of baggage and past. But overall, just looking at the two coaches next to each other, LaViolette was the one that they really thought they should go for.
1: So you you don't think that this came down to, well, these are just two head coaches and uh, that one has a lot of controversy, the other doesn't. (laughs) And so let's go to the one with with less one. That doesn't sound like that's how that decision process worked.
0: Yeah, to my understanding, it very much seemed like that was kind of buried thing in the past. We'll move on. We will know how to handle that situation when asked situation. You know, it was we really like the coaching style of LaViolette, what he brings, what he thinks that, you know, he can bring his vision to the team and we'll move on from there. So, yeah, that's at least my understanding of this. Okay,
1: interesting. Um, Do you think I mean, there was so much focus on those three candidates and increasingly just those two. Do you think that there was anyone else that the Caps considered uh, for this position?
0: Yeah, you know, I had heard that they did talk to Bruce Bedreau, uh, which I think is expected yes. um, just to have a conversation, at least. You know, I think it's I don't think it was ever really, really serious. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bruce But, you know, again, he's obviously a veteran coach. He has experience. He has all the things that McClellan, you know, talked about early on in that press conference after they fired Todd Rudin. Um, but yeah, I would say his name is probably the only other name that I think they were even remotely serious about. And then probably a whole list of others, maybe longtime assistant coaches, but sure. they never really fit the boxes that McClellan wanted to tick.
1: No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, do we have any idea kind of on how the assistant head coaches are going to work? I know that uh, Peter LaViolette has, I think it was McCarty was the guy's <laughs> name or whatever. Uh, he they, they has a longtime assistant. Do we kind of know what they're thinking in terms of their assistant head coaches?
0: Yeah, so I actually asked Avila today in the presser if McCarthy was going to come along with him to D.C., um, just asking, and he basically, you know, gave him really high praise for a good amount of time, uh, talking about how well, you know, he works with players and, you know, how talented he is as a coach, and then basically ended it with a, but, you know, as I said before, we're going to talk to, you know, the current staff, current coaches, and really figure out what their kind of thoughts and opinions are about this team if I want them on staff. And so I think overall, we really have no clue, to be honest. He said he really doesn't have an agenda coming in. He's going to hear everyone out. He's going to see what's best for his staff and then move forward. Now, there's probably a combination of McClellan and him maybe talking some things out um, about who they want to keep on the bench. And, you know, is it going to be the current guys? Is it going to bring multiple guys that LaViolette brings in? Could it be someone from Hershey? Who knows? Um, But I think that's definitely something to watch out for and how fast that comes together. I'm not sure, but you'd have to think that they would want to get that together fairly quickly so they can start, you know, actually meshing and thinking of a plan for next season.
1: But but, it doesn't sound like we're in for a total cleansing, though, right? Like that they're going to just fire everyone because I know that sometimes with head coaches, you'll see that and they want absolutely everyone gone. But it doesn't seem like the Caps are kind of in that position right now, huh?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't think so. I think just by him saying he wants to talk to the current staff and coaches, it wasn't a direct, like, ha they're gone, like, my yeah. guys are all coming in situation, which he very much could have said. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens to Blaine Forsythe, to um, Scott Murray. Obviously, Reed Cashman's already gone. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see who he feels comfortable with. And, you know, whether he thinks that guys who are already there, like a Blaine Forsythe, who has been there through so much change and head coaches, that maybe he can add more to that team um, and, you know, just give him more insight on how this team works. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I a clean house seems a little bit excessive, but I wouldn't totally rule it out.
1: <laughs> interesting. OK, cool. So. I think kind of transitioning to what the Caps do next, um, I think there's a lot of kind of just question about how the UFA market is going to work. The Capitals, uh, it seems like are are very likely to lose Holtby, but, you know, Mm -hmm. they uh, are. And and if they do, they're looking potentially at some cap space. Uh, What do you think the laviolette hire means in terms of what they're going to be looking for at the UFA market?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I really do feel like the blue line has to be their like main thing. (laughs) Um, They try to figure out. I think Brendan Dillon is such a crucial player either way, um, whether he feels like Washington's still a good fit. He wants to, you know, stay with the Capitals or if the Capitals really ultimately think, okay, well, he was a really good player for us in the short term, but we kind of want to move on, try something different or if Flaviolette comes in and says, hey, I already have a guy in mind that I think would be great. Like, I think there are so many different factors there that we just don't really know about um, that could be super interesting. But I definitely feel like they're going to have to go out and fix the blue line. I'm not sure what they're going to be doing with, you know, a Michael Kempney or, you know, how much time he's going to get or a Jonas Siegenthaler or a Martin yeah. Um, So I think that'll be definitely interesting. I'm not sure in terms of the forward market, how much they have to work with um, to begin <laughs> with. So just because they're always so tied to the cap, but especially this year, I'm not sure how much teams were going to be willing to kind of give up uh, in the sense and how sure. much players are worth. Yeah. So that's going to definitely be interesting, but I would say that Naviolet's going to have a pretty solid say in that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that, that that makes sense and kind of as he should. Um. Kind of looking at the existing caps roster, do you think that, Obviously, Laviolette's going to bring, I think, a little more accountability to the room. Or is there a player or two you're going to be curious to see kind of how they adjust to the head coaching change?
0: Yeah, I think 100%. Uh, I'm really curious about Evgeny Kuznetsov. Just <laughs> you and me, both. I, I think everyone is. Yes.
1: Um,
0: but I. I think it's just because everyone saw how well he did in 2018 and how well he is and how well he can play when he's on his game, right? You saw flashes of it even in the postseason when he could take over a game in two seconds. His skating obviously is talked about all the time, kind of his awareness and vision on the ice. And I think it'll be really interesting to see his personality combined with LaViolette's and how they mesh or how they butt heads. And if they butt heads, then how does that translate on the ice? And is that actually a good thing? Right. Um, You know, as we've said before, multiple times, McClellan wanted someone to push buttons. He wanted someone to really, you know, hold players accountable. And I think Kuznetsov needs a coach that can hold him accountable. So you would think that this fits. Um, I think we'll see how it goes. I'm also really curious to see how he does with younger players, Mm -hmm. just because I'm not sure how he is um, kind of with those developments. obviously, with Nashville, a lot of players have developed under him. You think of yeah. Yossi and Forsberg, and, you know, the list goes on and on. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how a Jacob Verana um, would kind of grow under him, even if it is only for a short amount of time. Because these could be, you know, some of the more breakout years of Verana. So yeah. I think that'll be really interesting.
1: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Verana is going to be a, I think, UFA next year. So they're gonna, that's going to be, I think, kind of interesting to see, too, whether uh, they choose to like how that how they're going to handle that contract extension because you have a lot of fans like me saying that they're good that's a deal that they're going to need to get done but I, I i still i think it's still kind of an interesting open question there
0: yeah for Verano i know next year he's an rfa so the capital oh you're right kind of, yeah yeah they'll have like kind of a first crack at it for sure but like i definitely think yeah he's got to be on their number one list yes. of priorities uh next year you know obviously aside from ovechkin yeah. but um
1: yeah. <laughs> Ideal, I would imagine. I think they'll get that done. I just,
0: yeah, you know, just, like just <laughs> exactly. it got All feeling, right. Well,
1: right. Uh, yeah, Samantha, this was uh, this was good. I, uh, you know, I think uh, we we kind of covered everything else. Is there anything that we uh, that I might have missed about Laviolette or anything kind of interesting that uh, you're excited to kind of learn from him? Um,
0: you know, what? I think that's mostly it. I think you know, I was talking to Adam Vingan, who obviously was covering the Capitals for a bit now in Nashville, and he had mentioned you know kind of sort of a part of Laviolette's style is really evening out the lines in terms of ice time. Um, so it might be interesting to see how he does that with an Alex Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom, you know, will the fourth line, third guy kind of get maybe two plus more minutes a night? And will Alex and Nick maybe get two less just because he wants to run the lines more? Um, You know, that's something he did in Nashville. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it in Washington. Um, But maybe that's something to look at uh, as next season starts is how he's really going to work with this group and what are the little things that he's going to add into their systems and just how they function that he believes will get them to another cup.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Well, uh, Samantha, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on on short notice. Uh, Absolutely. We, we, we might not be the first breaking news podcast that is going to be hitting the airwaves, but I think we'll be the best. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Uh, where can people find your uh, stuff? Uh,
0: so all my stuff is definitely on Twitter at SamanthaJPell or TheWashingtonPost.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Of course, of course. And uh, you can find the show. I'm going to do a very short version. Please rate, rate, subscribe, review, yada, yada. Please follow me at Y underscore JR and follow the show at at Radio. And uh, thanks for Samantha Powell for uh, joining us.